As I've been praying and spending all sorts of time just allowing God to show me different things and speak to me, a couple of words have kind of come to my mind uh, over the past number of weeks. And the, the first word is the word forward. And it's, it's what we're kind of basing the next month or maybe a little longer on here at the church. Our message series is just simply called uh, Forward. And here's where I'm at. And this is why this word has become something for me. Uh, I, I, I just, I desperately want to know God more. I, I want to know him deeper. I, I want to be moving forward in my relationship with him. Every day, every step, every single breath to hear his voice clearer than I ever have, uh, to respond in obedience better, to learn more and know more, and then my life would just be more and more like Christ. Like I want to move forward in that. This, this relationship with God is never meant to be stagnant. It's never meant to be just stay in the same place. Uh, it, there, there's something special that we should be. And I want this for you as well. I want you to move forward. I want you to know God more. And I want our church family to be different than it is right now. Uh, there are places in our church family that we're, where we are not okay where we are unhealthy as a whole. And our culture is in desperate need of healthy, thriving, growing, Jesus-centered, Holy Spirit-led churches. Like our culture desperately needs that. And my prayer is just like that, that I would do that and you would do that and we would move forward together in all of that, okay? That's the first word. It's a great word. The word is forward. There's a second word though, and it's not a great word, but it's the second word for today, and it's the word distracted. And as I have been uh, praying and seeking, like this word just jumped into my mind again and again. Like this relationship with God is supposed to be beautiful and incredible and powerful and life-altering. And we see things in the Bible like, like abundant life and a life that is truly life and peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable, you know all the words. This is the scriptural phrasing for following Jesus, yet we live in a culture that is just filled with distracted Christians and distracted churches. And I want to talk about this over the next number of weeks. Okay, that's enough of an introduction. Turn to your neighbor and say, he still has the longest introductions of anyone I've ever heard in my life. But all right, here we go. Will you stand with me all over this place and let's just begin by praying together. God, we, we come to you together. We come to you with our hearts open and our minds just excited to hear you and know you deeper. And God, I pray that as we look to your very word and we look to different principles in the Bible, that, that, you, would, that you would enlighten things and challenge us and change us and move us. And God, we, we just pray for all of that. Help me, God. I don't, God, I don't want to be up here to entertain people and, and all of that. Lord, I truly I truly desire for you to be center and for you to come and to work and to move. And so God, we just give this all to you in every part and every piece. In your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Have we been doing high fives while I've been gone? Have we? Okay, you missed it, didn't you? And I'm gonna have to talk to the staff about that because we should be doing high fives more. Uh, by the way, let me just like give a shout out to our, the staff and the pastors at our church. Come on. 
Like sincerely, the fact that I could just, could just go for 12 weeks and not even be around and, and our church, like I was looking at even just some of the numbers behind the scenes as I was kind of figuring out where we're at and stuff. And I was like, we got more people coming to our church since I left. What is going on? This is incredible. And so uh, it's just, just been special. So, all right. Um, about three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I climbed a mountain in Wyoming. Seriously, go put, put that picture up here for me. Okay, all right, that's the mountain, right? It was right in the middle. And at this spot, it looks nice and close, but it actually is a long way away still right there. Like, that's like six miles from the mountain, and I'm looking up at that one. You can see some of the snow even there. Uh, that's, that's actually me, not just some model from the internet. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I got jokes today. <laughs> but uh, er- earlier this spring, Pastor Jeremy, who was up here leading our music, uh, he approached me and he said, hey, you want to climb a mountain with me? And I said, yeah. And uh, we began to put a plan together. And by we, I mean he uh, began to put a plan together. And three weeks ago, we drove all day long and parked our car right outside of the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming, and we climbed the highest peak in the Bighorn Mountains, a mountain that's called Cloud Peak, a little over 13,000 feet above sea level. Now understand, in the lower 48 states of the U.S. here, uh, we don't have even one peak that is 15,000 feet, Uh, in which the crazy thing is you look at Mount Everest over in Nepal, and we don't have a peak in the lower 48 states that is half as tall as Mount Everest. And so we're kind of pretty wimpy around here, but it was still pretty legit. Uh, seriously, it, it, was, it was incredible. It was no joke. It was high. Uh, and in fact, when you get towards the top, it, there's right about half of the amount of oxygen that we have here at 12 or 1300 feet above sea level in Minnesota. Uh, but this is actually the second mountain that I have climbed. I climbed, climbed Mount Tom at uh, Sibley State Park. <laughs> Those of you who have gone to the state park know what that is. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's like 100 feet up, and it's, that was a joke. But, uh, but we parked our car at this trailhead, got up early the next morning, and hiked 9.3 miles into the wilderness, uh, there are no roads, no cell phone service, no bathrooms, no Walmarts, okay, anything like that. And we had to carry like everything with us. And so we have, uh, you can see the pack that I'm wearing here. Uh, it was a little over 30 pounds that we had to carry. It had uh, like, it had our tent in it. It had sleeping bags. You know, Jeremy had a pack as well. It had, we had water and food and all this type of stuff that we had to carry uh, and a little shovel to dig a hole in the ground just in case a hole needed to be dug, if you know what I mean. Uh, help your neighbor if they're confused. In case they had to poop. Okay, <laughs> is what that was. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, but we hiked 9.3 miles in. We set up camp, but don't think of camp like a campground. It, re- it literally was we 9.3 miles in, and we're looking around saying, where should we put up our tent? And so you put, we put up this little tent there, slept for the night, got up early the next morning, and we set out to summit this mountain. It was nasty, like difficult. 
uh, Jeremy almost didn't make it. Uh, but I waited for him. And <laughs> but it, it sincerely, it was this grueling 4.3 miles up from where we had camped. And the last two miles was this horrendous thing. They call it a boulder field. Go ahead and put that picture up for me, that next picture. Uh, it is these rocks that are literally like this big or bigger. And you're, you're climbing on your hands and your feet. Uh, over and over and over again, uh, we, get, we got to about this spot right here, and that's actually the top right there, uh, and actually right, right off of the top, 1,000-foot cliff straight down. And on this side over here, uh, it's maybe 40 feet wide, this little path we're going. Over on this side, 1,000-foot cliff down on the other side. It was sick. Like, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't like that very much. Uh, <laughs> but we get to about here. We haven't had cell phone service in a few days, and all of a sudden, like, our phones ding. And we had cell phone service on the top of the mountain or right up here. And so right here, I text my wife. She hasn't heard from me in a few days. And I text her and I just say like, we're, we're an hour from the top is what I text her. And then, I, and then we texted for a minute and then we kept going. Almost three hours later, <laughs> we, get, we get to the very top. It was windy. It was cold. There was snow on parts. Go ahead and put that next picture up for me. That was from the top of the mountain, straight cliff off the backside. You could see as far, like it was cold. Uh, it was incredible. We took some pictures, started climbing back down after a super long day, back to our camp again, and then we hiked 11 and a half miles out because we took a little bit of a different way, drove 13 miles back. Why do I say any of that besides like I'm just kind of showing off a little? Uh, when you do something like this, life becomes incredibly simple. Now, now let, let me explain. You wake up, you eat food, you start walking, you stop and rest, drink water, you walk some more. Okay? You walk and walk, and then you eat something, and then you walk, and then you go to the bathroom, and then you walk. There aren't all of these decisions that you have to make about different things. I mean, you only have one set of clothing. Should I wear the underwear I'm already wearing, or should I wear the underwear I'm already wearing? That this is the decisions that you have to make. Um, by the way, did you know that there is crazy cool underwear that's made out of super like wool stuff and it doesn't smell ever? You can wear it again and again and again. It's really expensive, but it's really cool. All right, there we go. Never mind. But life is so, life is so incredibly simple. And we got there, and, and now we set up camp and we eat food, and then we go sit for a couple hours and just sit there. And then we go to bed. Life was so simple. But we understand and we know that life, like this is not what real life is like. Real life is complicated. Real life is filled with schedules. Real life is filled with decisions and distractions and social media and news channels and kids' sports and budgets and houses to clean and we have to be parents and we have to be married and we have to go to work and do presentations and the Vikings are playing and I need to get the car fixed and how many of you know what I'm talking about? This is just the reality of the life that we live. We are incredibly busy people. And the busier we become, the more distracted we are. Distracted. 
And it becomes more difficult for us to focus on the things that matter most when we are being pulled in a million directions. And as Americans, the average American person, like we live our lives almost fractured in different places all over the place all of the time. I got to go here, do this. And our minds are crazy. Depression, anxiety, suicide is higher than it's ever been. Why? Because we are distracted, stressed out people again and again. This is the way that we live, and I truly believe that America is filled with distracted Christians, and when Pastor Karsten, he brought me this graphic, because I, I, he's the one who does our kids pastor, does all of our graphics and stuff, and he brought me this, and I, I looked at this thing, and I said, well, I don't really know what's going on with all the roads and stuff, and it's just like, they're going all over the place in every direction, and I, it's kind of just like chaos, and then as I was saying it, I was like, oh, and then I just said, yeah, I want that. Because uh, I think it's a picture of what, you know, of what we're going for here. There's this beautiful, life-giving, abundant, joy-filled, peace that passes all understanding relationship with God that is there. But we live distracted lives. Overwhelmed and missing it, okay, most of the time. And listen, I was amazed at what happened to my mind and my soul when I took time away from my to-do list to just kind of be. I was amazed. But that's not realistic either, is it? And so the question I have simply been asking myself is, what does it look like for me, what does it look like for us to live less distracted lives? And so here we go. I've been talking for 20 minutes and we haven't even opened the Bible yet. But here we go. Write this stuff down if you're taking notes. I've, as I have just been praying and thinking, a number of Bible principles just began to come to my mind. Some of them don't even have clear one verse that points all of it out, but it's a principle we kind of gather from the scripture. Uh, and this is a different type of message for me. This feels a little weird as I was putting it together, but I think it's really helpful and really relevant. Okay, so how do we live less distractive lives? I've got like eight things and I I'm guessing we're going to get through five. So here we go. Number one, number one, we need to begin to understand that everything in life is spiritual. Everything in life is spiritual. See, part of the problem in our life and in our culture is the way that we think about things. We tend to separate different parts of our lives into different categories. Let me explain. We have our family life. We talk this way. We've got our family life. We have our career we have our work life, we have our school life, if, that's, if you're a student, we have the things we do for fun, and we even have a phrase that we use in church, and we, we say things like, how is your spiritual life going? Have you ever said something like that? Talked about your spiritual life, but the implication here is that work isn't spiritual, and that what we do for fun isn't spiritual, and our family isn't spiritual, and we created this divide in in. in in that some things are spiritual and other things are secular. We even talk about music in that way, don't we? Like, like there's, there's music that was not created by God. We don't, you know that there's not Christian music and secular music? There's Christian musicians and secular musicians. Music is from God. Everything, everything in our culture is spiritual. Everything in our lives is sacred. 
okay? But we create this divide. We're here at church and we're praying and singing and listen to the Bible. That's spiritual. But in a few minutes, we're going to eat lunch and watch football and take a nap or whatever else. And that's not spiritual. This is the way that we think. And the problem with this thinking is that 95% of everything we do in our lives is not spiritual, Most of our lives is grocery shopping and walking the dog and cutting our toenails and eating a burrito and feeling bloated and that, okay? Am I the only one? But this is is the stuff of everyday life. But listen, scripturally, you don't have some parts of your lives that are sacred and other parts that are secular. All of life is beautiful, sacred, spiritual thing. The Jewish people did not have a word for spiritual It's not even in the Hebrew language in the same way as I was studying this. In fact, if you'd go to Jesus and you would say, like, Jesus, tell me about your spiritual life. I think he'd look at you and say, you mean my life? What do you mean my spiritual life? I don't understand that. Now, and this is where we start to get to the scripture, okay? Uh, When we begin to change the the way we think about our spiritual lives, then we can begin to be more aware of God in the seemingly mundane parts of our lives, all right? Now, we want to live less distracted Christian lives. Now, we need to begin to see God in everything that we do, including the stuff that seems normal and ordinary and boring, okay? We tend to think, I'm at work, I'm in my cubicle, bored out of my mind, watching the clock stand still, but I'm telling you, you can learn, you can learn to say, God, I'm here And you're here too. You are in this moment right here with me. I have breath today. That's a gift from God. It's 20 below zero, but my heart is filled with this goodness of God. Elsa's not the only one that can thaw a frozen heart. That was really dumb. But... The mundane becomes sacred when we recognize it and think of it that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now we're going to get to, we're going to rattle off some scripture here as we move on. 1 Corinthians 10 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is, the Apostle Paul wrote this in a context of, of some cultural things that were happening, but the point where he gets to, like eating and drinking, some of the most normal, everyday things that you can do in your life, and then he just ends it by saying, not just eating and drinking, but whatever you do, all the things, everything, do it all for the glory of God. You are not just glorifying God when you pray and when you go to church and when you listen to churchy music. You and we, we can glorify God in the middle of the most mundane things that you ever do in your life. If you begin to be aware of that and think of that and work in that way, all of life is sacred and we can begin to see God in the mundane parts of our lives. Number three, we're rocking. Write this down and I'll try to go fast. Um, you know this, by the way. Begin to, begin to see the beauty of God just even in creation. There are places where God's presence is just evident uh, on the top of a mountain. And we use words like breathtaking, don't we? 
You stand at the beach looking out at the ocean that just seems to go on forever and you're just in this moment of awe and wonder. Put that picture up for me, that next one. This, uh, we, were, we were trekking on the first day just out to the place and all of a sudden like the woods, the forest opened up and there was this glorious lake with kind of some mountains behind it and it was clear and still. You could see down, the water was so clear, like it was, it was incredible. And I remember just standing there uh, in awe of what was in front of me, in awe of the, the God who created uh, all of this by speaking. And it was this immense moment. And then Jeremy snuck up behind me and took a picture, uh, which was kind of cool. But uh, like, learn to see the beauty in creation. Slow down enough to notice stuff. Come on, to notice the sunset and the sunrise. Get up early and go for a walk and feel the cool breeze on your face. Uh, like walk slow. Uh, like stop for moments and we could say the cliche, smell the roses or whatever you want to do with that. But just there's something real to all of this. Stand outside at night and just look up at the stars. Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the creation is screaming. The glory of God. It cries out. And yet we in our busy distracted lives miss it. Understand that everything in life is spiritual. Everything is sacred. Learn to see God in the normal. Learn to see God in the mundane. Be aware of that. All right? Uh, Number four. Here we go. I only have nine. I'm just kidding. Number four. Learn to be more present in the present. Huh. It's kind of weird. Talking about Christmas here, I think. No? That was dumb too. Presents. See what I did? That was, okay, moving on. But as Americans, as Americans, we are horrible at this. What do I mean? It me, what, what I mean is like we're, actu- we're, we're right here, but our mind is actually someplace else. Do you know what I mean? You're sitting at the dinner table with your family eating dinner, but actually you're not there because you're someplace else. And then when we get to someplace else, we're not even there anymore. And we're some, okay, you, you understand this. As Americans, we are horrendous at this idea. We must learn to be more present in the present. You wanna know something crazy? It took me five weeks out of the 12. It took me five weeks to stop waking up in the morning thinking, what is all the stuff I need to do today? Five weeks for my mind to calm down. We are out of control. We are missing so much of the beauty of our creator and what he wants to do in and through us every single day because we are so messed up up here with everything that is happening. Okay, I'm about to say something brilliant. I spent all week studying, so get your pen ready. Here we go. Where you are, be there. Be there. Be there. Our distracted minds are ruining this for us. Learn to be fully present. And number five, and all of these kind of interlock with each other, by the way, and I understand that. 
Um, Number five, biblical principle, make time for quiet. Be still. Even when we pray as Americans, we tend to never shut up. And I believe that God wants to speak to us, speak to us through his word, speak to us in our minds and our thoughts. I believe God is speaking all of the time to his people. We just do not know how to listen very well. And at some point, we need to learn to shut our mouth and we need to just be and we need to just sit. In our culture, in our lives, how often do we find ourselves just sitting and being quiet with your phone put away someplace, with the TV off, with no music, even worship music, playing in the background, not even reading or writing or playing some game, just quiet. I was reading a medical article this week and it talked a lot about quiet. The article made the argument that time spent in silence can bring numerous health benefits. Not churchy article, medical article here. Here's the list from the article. Silence helps lower blood pressure, improve focus, calms racing thoughts, stimulates brain growth, reduces cortisol, which is a stress hormone, stimulates creativity and improves insomnia. When we learn to just shut our mouth and shut our brain off and just sit and be. It's like God created us to have this sort of rhythm in our lives at some point. Okay, spiritually though, silence opens the door for God to speak. Psalm 46, let me read this to you. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now listen to this. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, though its waters roar and foam and mountains quake with their surging, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. And then we get to verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. The diverse here, the passage here is like painting this picture of chaos in the world all around us. The mountains thrown into the sea and its imagery here and the rushing waters and uh, all of this stuff, the, the nations in an uproar. And it even goes into after this into wars and different things like this. And then the, the, the author here just writes and just says, be still and know that I am God. The idea The phrase be still in the original language is just defined as like to stop, to put an end to a state or an activity, to do nothing, stop doing anything, just be still and know that I am God. In our stillness, we can know that he is God. Music team, will you please come? Now, I'll talk to you after, okay, Ford? That's okay. Thanks, bud. It's okay. Uh, Let's wrap this up. And then I want us to just kind of sit and listen to a song together. Our culture, we live fractured, busy, distracted lives. We're missing a lot. It's leading to broken families. It's leading to not present parents. It's leading to chaos. It's leading to all sorts of stuff. We're in a hurry so often. God wants us desperately to take a deep breath and to experience him 
to live in a way where we can hear him and we see him and we move when he moves and we feel that. Not just in church, not just in our times of prayer, but in the most mundane things that we do, if we can begin to be aware of God everywhere we are and everything that we do, I'm telling you, you will begin to experience him in ways and in places you never thought it could have been. But it takes us stopping. It takes us being still. It takes us taking deep breaths and looking at stars and just sitting. And I don't know what it looks like for you. I, I, I've been working at this for three months. Some of you are so stinking chaotically out of control right now with your life that I don't know what this looks like for you to even take a step in this direction. But I feel and I believe that God is just asking us as a church family to begin to experience him in new ways. And I think it starts with us just being present with him. We're gonna, we're gonna unpack this farther and farther as we go. And I have some things that I think are gonna be helpful. And again, this was so weird. This was different for me uh, in a way. I'm excited for where I, where I feel like this is going and some things that I've learned. But what does it look like for you to begin to take a step in a less distracted way of living, a less distracted relationship with God? This week we did a funeral service. 31-year-old kid had been coming to our church, kind of in and out of our church here this spring. And the craziest thing, he actually had type 1 diabetes and he died, but he didn't know he had diabetes. And that killed him. And I was here and, and I'm we're doing this service and the church is filled with people who have never walked through our doors before and uh, a lot of difficult family stuff and it was just kind of chaos and it was, it was a beautiful moment to remember this kid together. But it's so hard in those moments not to just become fully aware of how precious life is and how quickly it can go. And I'm just convinced more than ever before that I don't want to waste the time that I have here. And I want to challenge you today that nobody comes to the end of their life thinking, I wish I would have worked more. That, that, that's not what happens. No one goes to the end of their life thinking thoughts like that. They're, they're, the regrets that come are always, I wish I would have prioritized some of the things that mattered. And as followers of Christ, what matters more than us truly learning to spend time with our Creator? And I'm not even saying we need to pray for an hour and read your Bible for an hour. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, can we become more and more aware of God and the Holy Spirit with us every single moment, all of the time. It's not about coming to church. And it's not about doing churchy stuff. It's about a God who loves us and wants to be a part of you every moment that you have, wants to do things in you and through you, wants you to be a difference maker in your community and in your workplace with his help. Yet we live so distracted 
And the American church and the American Christian as a whole, generalizing horribly here, I know, but we just are missing it because God is there. He's waiting and we have opportunities to see him and know him deeper. God, I pray for some of us in this place who even in this moment right now are filled with guilt for the lives we're living. God, I pray that this wouldn't be condemnation felt from the enemy, but God, that this would truly be conviction as Holy Spirit, you are taking our hand and gently moving us forward. Change us, God, help us, move in me, help me, God. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to go through the same things and do the same stuff. I want to know you deeper, I truly do. And as we walk out these doors today, Lord, I pray that we would be more aware of you, Holy Spirit, every moment, every piece, every part of our lives. Help us to tell people your story and show people your love and live with that. We love you, we need you, and it's in the beautiful, life-changing name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.